Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Sermons Podcast. At Legacy Church, we help people find their identity in Jesus and their place in His mission to impact the world through the gospel. We ask that you grab your Bibles, listen up, and we hope that you hear a great word from the Lord today. If you don't know who I am, I should have introduced myself at the beginning, but if you don't know who I am, my name is Brandon. I'm the student pastor here at Legacy, and again, I'm excited uh, to be up here with y'all today uh, as we get to celebrate our graduates, um, but also um, pray over them and send them out this morning. And as I was thinking about Senior Sunday, uh, and what what meaningful thing could I talk about that would be uh, meaningful for both our graduates, but also uh, anyone else in the room, and the only thing I could come up with is Jesus loves you let's go to lunch so no really get out uh no I'm just kidding uh no the the thought that I kept coming back to and it's been several years now that um I've done senior Sunday uh, but the thought I kept coming back to is so we're sending students off to college and out into the world let's talk about dumb stuff I did in college right like that just makes sense no? Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, if we're going to send our students out into this world, send them off to college, let's talk about the things uh, that we did in college and the things that we messed up at the beginning so that we can hopefully warn uh, or protect our students and tell them that they should avoid uh, as they go off. Because I think something happens when you graduate high school. Uh, and I'm sorry to all of our graduates, but it happens to each and every one of us adults. You know it's true. When you graduate high school, you're dumb now. Like, for real. Like, I know, I'm sorry if that offends anybody, but like when you graduate high school, uh, I, I think there's, there's like a light switch that turns off and, uh, and you're just, you're not smart anymore, right? Uh, like, you've, you've passed all the tests that you were supposed to pass, you've written all the papers, you did all the dumb pop quizzes that came up on a Monday morning after a long weekend, uh, you did everything that you were supposed to do, and now you're an adult. You're invincible. You get to do whatever you want to, right? How many adults in the room know that that's actually true? Yeah? None of y'all. Exactly. So graduates, you're not invincible, okay? Uh, but no, uh, you know, seriously, no, nothing, nothing crazy this morning. But uh, I was thinking about that as, as we send our graduates off, uh, but also just a good reminder for all of us. Uh, the things of this world that we should avoid, right? Uh, I mentioned this last year for Senior Sunday. Um, I went to college in East Texas uh, at a small Christian college, and I actually got to go uh, with a lot of friends of mine from high school, a lot of, a group of guys. We all went to college together, and we all lived together. Um, and so I had a core group of guys around me as I went to college. Um, and we had lived together all, uh, all throughout college. In our junior year of college, uh, we got word that we got to move out of the like real shady dorms at the bottom of campus where you had to walk everywhere. And our junior year, we got to move up into the brand new, super nice university apartments that were at the top of campus. Like the cafeteria was next door. The gym was next door to that. Like you didn't have to walk to class anymore. It was like everything, like you felt blessed in life finally. Um, But as we were getting ready to move up there, one of our four roommates uh, told us that he wasn't going to actually move with us. He was going to transfer off to another college. And the thing about university apartments uh, is it was four bedrooms, right? You had a communal living, a kitchen, bathroom, uh, a place that you could spend with your roommates, but you also had your own individual bedrooms. So you could kind of get away from them when your roommates were being dumb, right? Uh, Because, again, you're a dumb college kid now. Uh, So, but when we were moving up, we only had three roommates. And we were like, oh, man. First off, we're sad that that guy's going to go, but how does that affect us? Are we going to get to keep moving up into these four-person dorms if we don't have four people? And it turned out that the college let us move up into the dorm uh, and told us that we didn't have to have a fourth roommate. We could just have three. And so we're like, 
awesome, sweet party space, right? We got a whole extra bedroom. Nobody's going to live in it. We can, like, we're all going to be rock stars out of college, so let's turn it into a recording studio, right? Because that's a great idea. Um, or, or let's put a giant TV screen in there, and we can make it a movie room. We can have like movie Tuesdays and popcorn. And, uh, or, or my personal favorite was the fight club room. Like when you got into a disagreement with your uh, roommate, you just go in there, you punch each other for a minute or two, and then you come out and everybody's friends again, right? No, nobody else did that in college. Is that just me? All right, I'm going to stop preaching anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but uh, so we got to move in for about a month. Uh, we got to live just the three of us. And um, I got a call one day from the dorm manager. Uh, I promise this is all going somewhere. Uh, but uh, I got a call from the dorm manager one day, and he said, Hey, I found you a fourth roommate, so there's another guy that's going to move into your dorm. And I said, do we have to? Like, you know? And he's like, yeah, you know, I've been trying to find this guy a roommate, but he doesn't want to live with just anybody. But when I told him about you, uh, he said, oh yeah, I know Brandon and them. They're they're good people. Uh, And I said, okay, well, who is it? And he said, "Uh, it's Rodney. And I paused and I was like, wait, Rodney, as in like Rodney, Rodney, like D Rodney. And he goes, yeah, it's it's Rodney. He he likes you guys. And he said he would be willing to live with y'all. And I was like, all right, you know, like awesome, it's Rodney. So a little bit of backstory, Rodney was the coolest dude at our college, right? He was, he was the it guy. Like he was tall, he was good looking, he had a very well-groomed beard, uh, he, had a, he drove a really awesome lifted up truck, uh, he was one of the captains of the football team. Literally everyone on campus loved Rodney, but the best part about Rodney was is he loved Jesus with all of his heart, right? Like the hype around him was palpable. Everybody loved Rodney, and everybody wanted to be just like Rodney, right? And so obviously we were stoked. Like, all right, the coolest guy on campus is about to move into our dorm. That makes us cool too, right? Like we're gonna, going from nobodies to somebody now. Like we, we are the it people, Right, and so when he moved in, we immediately became best friends, and I was the coolest dude, second coolest dude on campus. That's not true, um, but no, I remember the first time I re- met Rodney. The reason he knew who we were, um, I, I remember I was driving across campus in my truck, and and I saw his truck pull out of a parking lot coming towards me, uh, and he rolls down his window and he kind of sticks out his hand and waves. I was like, <gasps> Rodney's waving at me, <laughs> like you know, like oh, it's so cool. So cool. And so I rolled down my window and I've got like back then I had the crank window. So I was like, oh man, this is not off to a good start, right? Like, oh no. So I rolled down my window and he pulls up and he's like, hey man, I just wanted to tell you that's a really nice truck you're driving. I'm like, <laughs> and then he drove off and I'm like, wait, thank you. Thank you. Oh, no? Oh, okay. Okay. And like, it, even as I say it, I, sound, I feel like I sound like an idiot right now, but like, like I'm telling you the hype around him was palpable. Like that was like Michael Jordan in that moment telling me I had a nice pair of tennis shoes, right? Uh, or it was George Clooney just rolled up and said, hey, you've got an awesome haircut. I'm like, oh, thanks. I appreciate that, you know, right? Like, I'm telling you, like, this guy was the guy. Everybody loved him, and we all wanted to be just like Rodney. So he moved in. Uh, we got to know him, and we got to be friends with him. And I'm telling you, the hype was real. He was exactly who everybody thought he was. He was a dude who loved Jesus, and he was friendly to every single person he met. He lived up to his own hype. And I remember there was a Wednesday night, um, there was a Wednesday night, on Wednesdays he would have football practice and so he was always out really late on Wednesdays uh, and, and the other three roommates and myself, we would all go, um, we would all go to uh, church on Wednesday nights. We, we led worship for a local youth band uh, or for a local youth group and uh, we would come back, we'd always pick up food and we'd always go back to our dorm and watch TV after church. 
Um, but again, if you remember what I said a minute ago, when you get to college, you're just dumb now. Um, and so we watched a lot of dumb television, stuff that really had no eternal value to our souls. Um, but so we're sitting there and, and watching this really um, not edifying cartoon is all I'll say. Uh, we're sitting there and watching this show like we did every Wednesday night. Uh, and all of a sudden the front door opens up and it's Rodney. I'm like, well, that's weird. I wonder why he's back early. Like, he's usually out for another couple hours, and he walks in, and he's just drenching in sweat. He's kind of glistening because he's that kind of guy. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, uh, no, he's drenched in sweat. He's got his gym bag over his shoulder. His, his shoulders are slumped down. You can tell, like, it's been a hard day. Like, they must have just run, run them ragged today. And he walks in, and he takes two steps into our dorm room, and he stops, and he looks right at the TV, and he looks back at us, and I'm not, no lie, he goes, what the blank are y'all watching right now? And we froze. I'm like, did Rodney just cuss? Like, Rodney doesn't cuss. What is happening? Like, if you do not, and he goes, if you do not get that mess off my TV right now, I will punch a hole in it and throw it out in the yard and you'll never watch it again. And I'm telling you, I've never seen Rodney angry before. We panicked. We froze. We did not know what to do. And he stomped off to his dorm room, and he literally throws his gym bag full of his football pads and helmet, throws it into his bedroom, turns around to us, and he goes, I said now, and slams his door, literally knocks pictures off the wall. And we were just frozen, like, what in the world just happened? And finally it clicked for somebody. They're like, what are you doing? Turn the TV off. Turn it off. <laughs> Rodney said, turn it off. What are you doing? So turn the TV off, and we're like, what in the world just happened, right? But the longer that interaction with Rodney sat with me that night, the more disappointed I was in myself in that moment, right? The guy that I had looked up to, the guy I had wanted to be like, this example of everything I wanted to be, this example of a guy who could not only be the coolest guy on the campus, but also have a fierce passion for Jesus and what Jesus had called him out to be. In that moment, I felt like I had let Rodney down right? Any friendship or emotional equity I felt like I had built with him over that past year had been fractured because I wasn't living up to the standard that he saw in me when he called me good people, right? He called us good people. He believed our hype that we were good people, that we loved Jesus with all of our heart too. And unlike him who lived up to his hype in that moment, we weren't living up to the hype, right? We were living just like everyone else, and that has always stuck with me ever since then to this day. I still remember that moment vividly because ever since then I have never wanted to be just like everyone else in this world. I have never wanted to be just another face in the crowd because God has called each and every one of us, myself included, to a higher purpose in this life. God has called each and every one of us to live out our faith so radically that it impacts this world and everybody who sees us wants to know Jesus because they see God's glory on display through your life. It's true for all of us. And so this morning, what I want to do, um, I want to look at a passage in Romans that I think it tells us exactly what we need to do to not be like everyone else, how we should stay in step with God and who he has called us out to be. And my hope and my prayer this morning is whether you are a senior graduating high school or you're a middle schooler going into seventh grade or maybe you're a 75-year-old grandparent or a 42-year-old parent of toddlers, I, 
I love you parents with toddlers. I get it. It's awful. Uh, But no matter where you find yourself in this room today, uh, that we would be able to pull out some truth this morning and see that God's plan starts with a thriving relationship with Jesus, first and foremost, period, nothing else, right? And so if you will, if you'll turn over uh, to Romans chapter 12 in your Bible, it'll also be on the screens as well. Uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, we're going to start off in verse 1 this morning. Romans 12, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. And so I think where we need to start this morning for us to have that right relationship with God, for us to not be just another face in this world, for us to live the life that God has called us out to live, is that we have to give God our body. We have to give God our body. And what do I mean by that? Does that mean I need to go out tomorrow to a tattoo parlor and get property of Jesus, like paste it across my chest and I go across my belly? Yeah? No? Although I'm sure that would be a great conversation starter around pool season. I'm not going to do that. So, uh, no, but the best thing, the, the best way I can describe what I mean is by giving God all of our body uh, is to go back to, I think, the best example that we have uh, of a living sacrifice, and that's Jesus. Well, what did Jesus do? To fix the thing that we broke through our sin, to mend our relationship so we have direct access back to God. He gave up all of the glory and all of the splendor that was His in heaven so that he could come down to earth and live the same kind of life that each one of us has to go through, to have the same experiences that we have, to feel the same kinds of hurts and pains that we have, to, to, to face the same kind of temptation that we have. And ultimately, he doesn't stop there. We, most of us, we know the story as he offers himself up on the cross to die on behalf of our sins as a living sacrifice so that our relationship with God can be fixed and so that our sins might be covered. And so when it tells us in Romans 12 to give our bodies as a living sacrifice, I think what that tells us to do is we are meant to do exactly what Jesus did, right? We are to give up our own glory and our own splendor and what makes us feel safe and secure give up our whole body and our being in service to what God is trying to do in and through our life. Now, thankfully, Jesus paid the price on the cross, right? None of us have a cross waiting on us in our future. And I am ever so grateful every single day that that is the case because I know my shoulders can't carry the weight of what that cross must have weighed in that moment. But you know what I can do? Even though I don't have to go to a cross to pay the price for my sins because Jesus already paid it, what I can do is still be sacrificially obedient just like Jesus was. I can give up my glory and my splendor. I can give up my safety and security. And I can give that same sacrificial obedience to God. And I can let Him have the reins in my life. I can let Him do whatever He wants to do in and through me so that I can show other people how awesome Jesus is. I think, think of this too. In the passage, Paul tells us to uh, present our bodies as a living sacrifice. What do you think of when you hear the word present? Group interaction. <laughs> present. What, makes, what does that make you think of? I'm thinking of one word. 
Presence. I heard somebody over here say it. Maybe. Yeah. Presence, right? Present. Present. Present, right? You see, that? you see how that works? Yeah. My mom was an English teacher. Uh, no. Um, it tells, he tells us to present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. To give, basically give ourselves to God as a present. And you think about Christmas and your birthday. Uh, when you give somebody a birthday or Christmas present, do you give it to them, let them unwrap it, and then immediately take it back? No, right? Or you don't give somebody a birthday card and as soon as they open it say, hey, can I get that back? I've got three more birthday parties I got to hit up this afternoon and I didn't buy them cards. I need to, I need to get that back. No, right? You give it to them. It's a, it's, a, it's a show of appreciation of how much you love them to give someone a present, right? And the same is true for us that when we give ourselves to God, we don't just give ourselves to God and then take it back. We don't just offer up our bodies and who we are to God only to turn around and say, okay, cool, now that you're done with it, I'm going to go do what I want, right? We offer ourselves up once and for all. And the reason that we do that, the reason that we give God the desires of our flesh and we give God uh, our body to be used by his will, it does to, uh, I think it does a couple of things uh, that Paul mentions in this passage. Uh, that he says, because of God's mercy, offer yourself up. Uh, in essence, because God loved you so much to create you, because uh, he loves you so much to send Jesus for you, because his mercies are new every morning. If you look at Lamentations 3 up on the screen, it says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning and great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Because God's mercy is new every morning, because God is our portion, because he loves you so incredibly deeply, it is our joy to offer ourselves up, uh, if nothing more than just to thank God for everything that he's done in our life. But Paul also goes on to tell us that when we do that, it becomes an act of worship for us. He says that it is your true and proper worship when you offer your body as a living sacrifice to God. In essence, when we give God our bodies in sacrifice, when we give our life to God in service of Him, what we are doing is we are worshiping God exactly how He wants us to worship Him. Giving every part of ourself to Him and praising His name for all of the good things that He does in our life. Uh, the second thing that I see in this passage this morning uh, in our relationship with God is that we have to give God our mind, right? We started, we have to give God our bodies. Well, next, we have to give God our mind. What controls your body? Your mind does, right? Yeah, I heard somebody say it. Your mind controls your body, right? Your mind has direct power over what your body does. It tells your organs to function, right? It tells you subconsciously that you need to breathe, right? Everybody take in a deep breath. Hold it, hold it. Okay, let it out. Feels good, doesn't it? Right? Your mind tells you every day that you need air to breathe, right? It tells you when you need to sleep and when you need to wake up. It tells you when you need to fight and it tells you when you need to run. It has direct power over what you do with your body. And because of that, because of the control that it has, um, I think there's also a, a, uh, a battle for control over your mind, right? Because if something can control your mind, then it can control your body, right? So it makes sense that the things of this world, the things that are not of God, will want to control your mind, to control the narrative, because then it can control your body. If Satan wants to control your mind, he can then tell your body what is right and what is wrong for you to do with it. But Paul tells us in this passage this morning, he very clearly states uh, in Romans 12, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. 
Don't buy into the lies that, of the one who seeks to trip you up. Don't let your mind be bogged down with false truths and changing theology and the, the skewed reasoning and thinking of this world, right? He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the Holy Spirit. Don't be conformed by the pressures of this world that are telling you who to be and what to do, but be transformed from the inside out by God and by His Spirit who is going to build you up from the inside out so that you can hold up against all of the pressures of this world. As I was studying this week, the word transformed uh, in this passage, if I, if, uh, in my research for this, uh, the original root of this word is actually where we get the term metamorphosis, right? Metamorphosis, this transformation from the inside out. You remember the movie A Bug's Life? Like, metamorphosis. No? Nobody? Okay. Like, that's, I, that's all I could think about while I was writing this. Um, no, but we let, the, we let the Holy Spirit work in and through us. We let the power of God flow through us and fill us up so that when it fills up our mind and it fills up our body, we can't pour anything else from this world into it because you're already full on the truth and the grace that is God's presence in your life. If you're already full in here and if you're already full in there, nothing out there is going to be able to penetrate what's in here and what's in here, Right? You don't have to worry about opinions or false truths. You don't have to worry about doubts and fears or, again, changing and conflicting theologies because you're already full of the one truth that is God's Word in the Bible, the gospel truth, the message of Jesus Christ. Don't fill your mind up on the things that are going to pull you away from God. Let God fill you up with His presence. The last thing that I see, if we're going to have a, a proper relationship with God, if we're going to offer up everything that we are to God and have a right relationship with Him, is that we have to give God our will. So you have your body, it's controlled by your mind. Well, what is your mind controlled by? Your will, right? I'm sure we've all heard the stories of like uh, people working out or professional athletes that their body starts to fail on them, right? They're, so, they're incredibly tired. They can't go on any farther, but in their mind, they're like, I can do it. I can push further. And their willpower alone tells their mind that they can keep pushing their body forward. And they push their body to accomplish new feats. And, and, and they push themselves farther than anything that they ever thought they could possibly do, right? Their willpower kept them going in that moment. Well, what happens if your willpower works against you? What happens if Satan gets a hold of your willpower in that moment, right? Wouldn't our defeat be that much easier if you don't have the will to push on? If you don't have the will to keep pushing and to keep fighting for what God has called you to be, then your mind's going to shut down and let in those doubts and fears and let in those false truths and let in the things that, that constantly keep us in a state of fear. And physically, it will shut our body down and it keeps us away from who God has created us to be and what God has ultimately set us up to do, right? Paul, uh, a, little, a couple chapters earlier in the book of Romans, in, in chapter 7, he even prefaces this. Uh, Romans 7, verse 18, Paul is writing uh, and saying that his willpower alone is not enough to do what God has called him to do. Verse 18 says, For I know the good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this is what I keep on doing. 
Y'all, he's saying with all of his will, with everything that he has in him, it is not enough to do what God wants him to do. And what he is acknowledging in that moment is the only way that he can do what God wants him to do is to give in to the will of God and let God's willpower be the driving force behind our willpower, right? How we go from doing the evil things that we don't want to do to doing the things that God has called us out to do is to give in to God's will and let God's will be the driving force in our life, right? To tell us what it is that we need to do. And so this morning, how do we do that, right? If your body is controlled by your mind and your mind is controlled by your will, then how do I transform my mind through the renewing of of God's strength, right? How do I let God's will reign in my life? How do I offer up myself as a living sacrifice? Well, I think if you've been a Christian for any length of time or if you've come to church, you've probably heard the churchy answers that we tell ourselves a lot, right? Uh, Well, man... You need to read your Bible more. If you've got questions, it's right here. You need to read it, right? Or, well, did you pray about it? Like, maybe you're not praying hard enough, right? There's those churchy answers of maybe you should tithe more, uh, or my ultimate favorite. Like, if you're not serving in church, you're swerving away from church, right? Uh, like, that's one of my favorites. Uh, but, like, if you're anything like me, the harder I push to do something, the harder I try to correct the things in my life, the harder I try to do stuff on my own, the more stagnant I feel in every single one of them, right? I read my Bible. I do my daily devotion. But how often do I just read the words and not let God's truth fill me up from the inside out, transforming who I am? I go to God in prayer. I take my request to Him. I praise Him through word. But how often do I not wait on God to answer those prayers? How often do I go out and push ahead myself and try to make things happen without God? If I'm honest, probably too often, right? It's probably, unfortunately, way too often. And so I have to ask myself, does God really have control over all of these things in my life? I think what it really comes down to, to give God our body and our, give God our mind and to give God our will, I think what it really comes down to uh, is an act of submission for each and every one of us. Are we submitting every part of who we are to everything that God is? Right? Are we submitting our body and our mind and our will to the basic foundation of who God has created us to be? Right? Have we fully submitted uh, to be and to let God do? Dustin said it uh, incredibly earlier when he was setting up the song uh, that God didn't create us to do. God created us to exist in his presence, right? God is really good at being God. If he was bad at it, I could understand complaining, but not once ever was God bad at being God, right? That's his job, and he's really, really good at it. And I had to stop myself many times as I was writing the sermon and fully, fully process in my submitting all of who I am, but also all of the words in this sermon this morning to what God was trying to say and stop trying to force the answers that I want to say and force the illustrations that I think are funny and force a verse to fit in what I think it should be forced into Am I really letting God transform my understanding of what it means to fully give God every piece of who I am? Y'all, we were created to exist in God's presence and be better because of it. 
We were created to be with God. And that's why it's so incredibly important for us to have a relationship with Jesus. Because apart from Jesus, you can't have a relationship with God. If at the very core and essence of who you are was to exist and have a relationship with God, anything short of that is missing the mark. A relationship with Jesus is paramount for each and every single one of us so that we can let God do the job of being God and we can do the job of basking in all of the goodness that God has to offer us in our lives. You know, I mentioned at the, at the beginning, I felt like I had, I had let my friend Rodney down that night, right, by not living up to who God had called me to be. Um, and one of the things that has always stuck with me uh, is I felt like I let him down so much, this guy who I aspired to be. Uh, but how much more do I let God down when I conform to the patterns and the standards that this world wants me to conform to? How much more is God sad when I let other things tell me who I should be and the things that I should say and control the narrative in my heart and in my mind? And how much more does God really want full control over every part of who I am so that he can show me the fullness of what he has for me and, and this plan for my life? Right? We were created to be different than this world. We weren't created to be just like everyone else. He has called us out for a purpose. And we can't experience that purpose if we don't give God every part of, our, of, of ourselves. I wrote this down in my note, and it still is, hits me really hard this morning as I read it. Is if you hold anything back from God, you don't experience everything that he has to offer you. If you hold back any piece of who you are, you'll never fully experience the greatness of what God has planned for you in your life. So I want to ask you this morning, are you fully submitting everything that you are to God? Have you fully committed and submitted everything that you are to a thriving relationship with your Savior, Jesus Christ? Have you given God control of your body and your mind and your will, every part of who you are, everything that you ever hoped to be, have you given that to God? Or is there something that you're holding back? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Um, I, I want to do something a little different this morning. I want to give you all a moment with just between you and God. I want to give you a moment to spend a, a moment in prayer with God. And I want you to just ask a real pointed question. Fair warning, it's a dangerous question. But I want you to ask God this morning, is there any part of my life that I am holding back from you? Is there any part of my body, my will, my mind that I have held back from everything that you have called me out to be. So let's just take a moment, and I'll close this up in just a minute, but let's just take a moment, go to God in prayer, and ask that dangerous question, am I holding anything back from you? If I am, man, God, tell me what it is and help me give it up, because I want to experience the fullness of what it is to live a life fully dedicated to the gospel of Jesus.
God, we come before you this morning. God, I ask you to break us down so that you can build us back up. God, the barriers that we have placed in our lives that are keeping us away from the fullness of a relationship with you, God, I pray that you break those walls now. God, if there's anyone in this room that is held back because they're unsure or because they're afraid or for whatever reason, God, remind them of how deeply you love them this morning. Remind them of how good you are this morning. Remind them that a life spent away from you is a life of despair. God, speak to us. Move in us. Give us the strength that we need every day to give every part of who we are to you. Help us to hold nothing back from your goodness. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.